Despite his strong personal misgivings, McKay has been ordered with just half an hour's warning to launch this insane attack on open ground in broad daylight. Before the war, McKay was a prominent Melbourne lawyer and served as both a Victorian and Federal Member of Parliament, and even Minister for Defence. A contrarian thinker for his times, he was an early champion of women's suffrage, who once described war as an anachronism and even opposed the deployment of Victorian troops to the Boer War. Now his sound reasons for scepticism about this impossible full-frontal attack are being underlined with the blood and cries of the men of his 2nd Australian Infantry Brigade. But for the efforts of the man crouched beside Mackay, the debacle of Krithia and its command blunders may well have stayed hidden forever on the battlefield. That man is Charles Edwin Woodrow Bean, Australia's official war correspondent throughout the First World War. Not only is his news account of the Battle of Krithia a classic piece of war reporting, this unlikely hero, a lofty redhead nicknamed Captain Carrot by the troops, is also about to demonstrate reckless bravery on the Turkish field. Bean has spotted a terribly wounded Allied soldier trying desperately to crawl back under withering fire, just a few metres in front of where Bean and the surviving Australian command are sheltering with British Lancashire Fusilier troops in what will become known as Tommy's Trench. It is a measure of Bean's humility that while he records what he did that day in his personal diary, there will be no mention of it in the monumental 12-volume official history of the First World War. Under heavy fire and against the orders of Mackay sitting right beside him, Charles Bean runs out to bring the wounded soldier to safety. One could see that men had been knocked out, a good few of them. There was one chap I could see wounded about twenty yards to my right front. He was moving. I thought he would probably be hit again if he stayed out there, but the prospect of getting out and helping him was not nice. However, I thought, if one gets into these positions in the firing line, one must accept the consequences. I waited a bit, and presently the youngster rolled over and began to painfully crawl in. One couldn't stay any longer, so I nipped out of the trench and ran out to him and helped him back. When Bean gets back to the trench, Mackay tells him, Look here, Bean, if you do any more of these damn fool actions, I'll send you straight back to HQ. I've power to, you know. Bean's personal diary records that a few minutes later, Mackay was doing the damn fool action himself up on the parapet. What follows is one of those breathtaking moments in warfare that leave one saddened by the folly of it all, but humbled by the sentiment and the sacrifice. Bean's extraordinary account is one of the classics of Australians at arms. The Brigadier General, realising his assault is losing momentum as hundreds of troops shelter in the same ditch from the concentrated Turkish fire, soon turns to Bean and says, Well, Bean, I suppose this is where I have to do the damned heroic act. Bean watches on, astonished, as Mackay leaps up onto the side of the shallow trench in the direct line of fire and looking down on the hundreds of Australians and British troops lying along its length, yells, Now then, Australians, which of you men are Australians? Come on, Australians! The men jumped up, I suppose about one hundred in this lot. Come along, Australians, they called. Come on, Australians! They picked themselves up, many with their rifles at the charge, 
and scrambled over the trench, over the Tommies' heads, into a very heavy fire. The fire really was very heavy by now. It was knocking spurts of dust off the parapet into everyone's face. But the Australians went on like a whirlwind. I heard one chap say, Come on, chaps, we've got to get it sometime, we can't stay here always. And that was the spirit, that and the feeling that being Australians, they must get on. It was very fine to watch, and it was great to watch them as they went, absolutely unaffected by the bullets. I never saw one man whose manner was changed by them, except in that moment when they got up and faced them and rushed over the trench. Then their faces were set, their eyebrows bent, and they looked into it for a moment as men would into a dazzling flame. I never saw so many determined faces at once. McKay, who was shot in the thigh during the battle, and